So I have a question for you. What is your biggest stressor during the holidays? What is the biggest thing that kind of brings you anxiety and worry during the holidays? I, I, we all have something, right? I, I mean, if you were growing up with me in my house, when we had guests coming over, my mom turned into a drill sergeant, right? Like, it was white glove check, okay? Like, as soon as, like, there are guests coming, it better look like nobody ever lives here. And you're like, okay, I'm so scared, right? But that's what happened. Because it caused this anxiety in this moment for you to feel like, hey, I got to put on my best foot forward. We, it needs to look like no one has ever lived in this home before. And so what happens is, is a lot of us deal with these stresses and they begin to take control of our holiday. They begin to really take control of, of, of our life. And what can happen is, is when these hurts come into our life, they take the joy out of the season. In fact, so many of us are, are kind of maybe dreading these next few weeks, right? Can you believe we're only days away coming up here for Thanksgiving and then we're warp speed into the holiday and then we are in the new year and then everyone's making resolutions and all of these things are going on. But for so many of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, there's a part of us that dreads this season. This anxiety, this worry, these fears, all of these things begin to come up. And our hurts have a way of surfacing. Our hurts have a way of, of making their way around in our lives. Now, tonight, I want us to take a look uh, at the truth of God. That Here's the truth. We can't make anxiety disappear from your life. Tonight, we're going to be focusing on the idea of anxiety because I really believe that anxiety works in conjunction with so many other hurts in our lives and brings them up. And so the truth of the matter is, is I'm not going to tell you 10 ways to live an anxiety-free life. But what if we could tell you that we could make your anxiety and your worry and your fears and all of these things more bearable and actually we could turn them into something positive? That what if some of these feelings and some of these things in our life, because like how many of you have been told, hey, you shouldn't be anxious ever, and that just made you anxious. You're just like, well, in fact, here, everyone do me a favor. Um, what is your, your greatest fear? Just think about in your mind what's your greatest fear. Okay, now look to the person you don't know and let them know what your greatest fear is in life. Okay, you experience anxiety, right? Don't do that. Someone's like, I just wanted to tell you, and you're like, stop. We just met today, not today. In fact, anxiety can really take something really beautiful and wonderful and make it into something terrible really quickly. A couple years ago, my family and I, we were at Disney, and um, we have three girls and one boy, and we were at a Disney princess lunch, right? So we go to, I think it was in Epcot, and the worst place to take small children because ended up having this lunch with the princesses, and we ate like herring, and the kids were like, this is awful. But these princesses came around, and after we got done with this lunch, which was, which was already, I'm sure, an arm and a leg, um, we were sitting there, and, you know, it's Florida. So a giant rainstorm pummels down, like right after lunch. And as, as we were sitting there, I'm sitting in this, like, leather chair. Everyone's kind of hunkered in the restaurant still. And I look over next to me, and there's another dad. And I look over at him. I'm like, hey. He's like, hey. I'm like, how you doing, man? He's like, I've been, like, we're down here for a week, and we've been doing a new park every day. I'm, 
I'm exhausted. He almost broke down in tears. He was like, I'm so tired. And I was like, oh, bro, I feel you. I, I'm from Florida. So this, we're just doing a day trip today. And he was like, he, you could tell he wanted to kill me. But <laughs> what happened is, is it, it, the rain kept coming. And then I noticed out of the corner of my eye, he kept looking over at this lady who was, seemed agitated. It was his wife. And she was kind of like getting more stirred up as it rained more and more. And all of a sudden, she walks over, and she's like, okay, listen, we're going to go. We got to go. We got to get out of here. I know it's raining. We got to go. We got to have fun. And I was like, what the heck is that? And the guy looked at me like, help me. Please help me. And these are the literal words that came out of her mouth. The kids were all there. They're crying and freaking out. The husband looks half dead. And she says, we spent $10,000 on this vacation, and we're going to have a good time, rain or shine. And the kids were like, okay, mom, right? And so they leave. And what I realize is because of the pressure of Disney being the happiest place on earth, we have anxiety to meet the expectation. And the anxiety of the money spent and all these things happened to be this moment where what was supposed to be a beautiful, happiest place on earth turned into a nightmare. Because you could tell that this anxiety of things not going exactly right and according to plan and all the money that was spent and every raindrop meant another dollar, right? Like she was freaked out. And I thought, man, what if you just let go of your expectation and just let the moment be? And I thought about, man, how many of us, that's our anticipation of the holidays. Because the holidays have this, like, feeling that they need to be perfect. The turkey's got to be perfect. I don't like turkey. So the ham's got to be perfect, right? The meal's got to be perfect. This place setting's got to be perfect. You have conversations with your family, like, hey, this year, no religion or politics at the table. Like, we're not going to deal with these things. I don't want to talk about midterm elections, right? Like, we're not going to do this. We're just going to enjoy a holiday. And what happens is, is you end up ruining those things. So here, just let me let you know about the season that we're all about to embark on together. They're doing research on this now. And according to the American Psychological Association, 38% of people surveyed said that their stress increased during the holiday, which can lead to physical illness, depression, anxiety, and substance. They said misuse. I would say abuse. But... Why? Because of lack of time, financial pressures, gift giving, family gatherings. Some of us are dreading the fact that we have loved ones that aren't going to be there. Some of us are dreading the fact that we have exes and divorces in our family or there's a strained relationship with our children. Or that maybe you're worried about you're not going to be invited to anything. That the time of year where you're supposed to be with people that love you, you're wondering if you're going to get invited anywhere. Or like parents, like there's this immense pressure for us to get all of these gifts. And that's just not something we need to bow down to. But the reality is, is this anxiety is going on. To make matters worse, the National Alliance of Mental Illness noted that 64% of individuals living with mental illness felt that their condition worsened around the holidays. So this time of year about Thanksgiving and being grateful and being happy and being together and remembering the hope of the world entering into our situation 
Jesus Christ has turned into a time of pressure, anxiety, worry, fighting, illness, all of these things. And so this anxiety is this emotion that for many of us is characterized by tension, worried thoughts, physical changes, like, like literally your blood pressure goes up. They have dizziness and trembling and rapid heartbeat. And, and what happens is, is anxiety is always partnered with two other emotions, anger and fear. That's where anxiety rides, anger and fear. And I want you to think about the time that we're living in right now. Anger and fear. And so what happens is, is these things come together and create the perfect storm. Well, tonight, as we get ready to go into the passage, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8 tonight. We're going to actually be in a storm moment in the Bible. But I want you guys to understand something that is so important for you and I to see as we get into the message tonight about what anxiety is. Anxiety comes from a future absent of God. I really firmly believe this, that in this room, as we're anticipating the holidays, as we're anticipating these parties, as we're anticipating gift giving or being alone or all of these things, and you have all of these worries entering your mind, your heart, and it's stealing your joy, let me ask you a question. How much are you thinking about God in that future? Like, what if I could tell you that you could know and should know, according to our theology, that God is just not present in all places. He's present in all time. And that God is in that anxious moment for you already. But are you living that way? See, if we really understood in our hearts, in our minds, that God was already there and already working it out, the anxiety might still be there a little bit, but we know there's someone there, the God who is good and loving, kind and gracious, working it out on our behalf. Could you breathe a little bit more? Because here's what's going on. A lot of us, as we look at our future, we live as functional atheists. We live as if God is not there. And the future is so worrisome to us when we forget that the Lord is before us. And he's preparing a place for us. And he's working on our behalf. And we get worried and worried and worried. And like I said, I can't get rid of all anxiety and worry. Because what if anxiety and worry, instead of becoming something destructive, we learn to turn it into something productive. And that instead of calling us away from God, it actually called us to him. I love this phrase I heard a couple years ago. You know, when you feel anxiety, we talked about all these physical ailments that you'll feel. You, you got like the pit in your stomach, you're shaking, your blood pressure's up, you know, all of these things. This guy said this, anxiety in, in the way your body reacts to it is your body's way of reminding you to pray. Now, what if these feelings that you felt, these worries that you felt, instead of taking you from the truth, took you to the truth? And you said, oh, thank you, body. Thank you for reminding me to bring this to the Lord, to bring it to him and to lay it at his feet. And as the Bible tells us, to cast all of our worries on him. Man, now all of a sudden, it's not this enemy creeping around the corner that we're so afraid of that is, is joyless in the moment. Because if we take the perspective and shift it, now what the enemy meant for evil, God can mean for good. 
I'm drawing you to me. That's just a physical reminder. It's time to come to me. And so I want us to understand and look at this moment, and I want to ask you that as we talk about that biggest fear or that biggest stressor of the holidays that we just talked about, are you living in a way that God isn't present there? Would that shift your thinking a little bit to believe and know that the Lord is before you, that he is with you right now and he is there as well? And so what's making you anxious? Is it the kids won't be happy? You won't have enough? I'm going to have to get into that awkward conversation with Uncle Bill. And we all have that one uncle, right? And if you don't have that uncle, you are that uncle, just going to let you know. Um, You're like, we don't have an uncle like that. And it's like, yeah, it's you. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) what's it going to be like with your ex there? If you're constantly rehearsing the conversations that you're going to have in your mind right now, it means you're not living in a future where the Lord is present. Like some of us are playing lawyer in our mind right now. If he says this, oh, I got one ready, right? And it's like this is not, you're not living in peaceful joy. You're living in pre-battle and it's stealing away from you this moment. See, because here's why I want us to get out of worry and to get into faith. Because how many of us build scenarios in our mind because of worry and anxiety that, that are the worst case scenario? Does anyone do that? Does anyone, like, you spiral and, like, you're like, what if I stub my toe in the woods? And then it comes into, what if I stub my toe and it bleeds and then a bear finds me and chases me and kills me in the woods? You're like, how did you, what? And it's like, I don't know, because anxiety has a way of causing us to to, to do some things in our life that don't make sense. And here's why it's so important. When we are in anxiety and worry, before we get into any situation, we're fighting the battle twice. Some of you right now are fighting a battle in your mind that hasn't even arrived yet. And you'll be so exhausted because you're dealing with the survival mentality that when you get to the battle, if it ever gets there, which it probably won't, you're exhausted. You're exhausted. And and this joy and all of these things begin to, to kind of press us down. Is anybody tracking with me tonight? All right, all right, good. So as we get ready to jump into the passage tonight, I want us to get a little bit of context. Matthew chapter 8 is this really incredible passage, but it comes off of a passage that we all just studied. Matthew chapter 4 begins what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest singular speaking moment of Jesus anywhere in the Bible. It starts in Matthew chapter 4 and goes all the way through Matthew chapter 7. And then we get here. Matthew chapter 8, where we find ourselves today. And what happens in this story is, is understand that the stories in the Bible are not just placed there chronologically necessarily or anything else, but they're telling a greater story. They're telling a message. And the stories that lead up to the passage that we're going to be in today have to deal with healing. Right? They have to deal with these stories about Jesus healing a leper. Then Jesus, a centurion soldier, comes to him and says that his servant has been paralyzed and could he please heal him? And he does. And then Jesus goes to Peter's mother-in-law's house. And when he's at Peter's mother-in-law's house, he, he heals her. She has a f- severe fever. And then he, he heals people who are demonically oppressed and possessed. 
And then we get to the story that we're going to enter into right now. So get your minds where we need to be. Jesus has just preached a huge message. If Jesus feels anything like I feel, I know he doesn't because he's God. But like I'm tired after this. Like ask Kelsey, on Saturday nights, I really don't want to do anything. And on Sunday afternoons, I really don't want to do anything. I'm tired. Like there's a lot of energy that goes into this moment. And so what happens is, as Jesus leaves, he starts healing people. He starts ministering to people. And then he tells everybody, you're going to need to get in a boat. Now, this is important because all of the disciples and everybody with Jesus come off of what's literally a mountaintop experience. You've heard this greatest message that shook the earth, that shook their foundation of their understanding of God. And then you see Jesus healing people like only God can. And then they get into a boat. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 23. This is what the word of God says. Then he got into a boat and his disciples followed him. This is Jesus after he's healed people and he's talked about the cost of living in the kingdom of God. He gets into a boat. Suddenly, a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Man, that's an interesting couple verses, right? Jesus is like, I'm tired. We're going to get in a boat. The, the lake is only about eight miles wide at its widest spot. Most places, about four miles wide. And Jesus goes, hey, we're going to go across to the other side. Let's everybody get in a boat. We're going to start rowing. I'm tired. You guys row the boat. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to go to sleep. And the Bible says, suddenly, this great storm arises on the Sea of Galilee. And this is not uncommon for the Sea of Galilee. There's storms that can come in from Mount Hermon and other places where these, these cold and warm air meet on the lake, and it causes a giant storm. That's exactly what happens to the disciples and Jesus in this moment. In fact, the, the word that's used there is this Word, it's called seisme or seismus, which we get the word seismic, seismic activity, right? Earthquakes. The Matthew uses this word to describe a storm, and he says, look, this thing was seismic. This thing was earth-shaking. Now, I want you to understand, some, can anyone understand like a little bit of anxiety entering that situation? These guys are all fishermen. And the Bible says suddenly they get in a boat, they start rowing, and suddenly a seismic storm enters their situation. And the waves are so big that they're starting to crash over into the boat. And the Bible says, and Jesus was sleeping. You go, that's weird. No, that's someone who knows the end of the story. This won't kill us. Why? Well, I got more business to do. And when you really understand the future that God has for you, it can put your current circumstance into perspective. And the current storm that you're facing cannot be a life-ending one. It can be one that you do need to get through. Doesn't mean it's not scary. Doesn't mean that there's not a lesson to be learned in that moment. But it can begin to... to when we have our correct perspective on these things in life, we can begin to see what's going on. 
Now here's, I think, what is interesting in the story. Notice that this storm suddenly arises and the disciples are in this moment and, and they're in this storm and they're freaking out. And the Bible says, and Jesus was sleeping. How many of you have never wanted to wake a leader that's sleeping? So there's probably this moment in here where they're going to tough it out. Where it's like, ah, you know what? It's not that bad. Man, we've been in storms like this before. Man, we've been in things like this before. Man, we, we, can, we can do this. We can handle it. Surely he'll wake up on his own. How many of us are prolonging our season of anxiety because we don't want to bother God with what's going on? So you're in the middle of a storm. Maybe it's seismic in size or it's one that's coming that is seismic in size. And you go, man, I don't want to bother you. I just saw all of these things. But notice what every other story before this had to deal with. It all had to deal with faith. Do you think Jesus was trying to send them a message? I'm going to get you into a moment where you're going to need some faith. Because what I'm going to tell you is that whole message that I just told you about is so earth-shaking. You're going to need faith to get through this. Also, notice something really peculiar about this story, too. Jesus tells them to get in the boat. Surely, Jesus, being God, understood that there was a storm coming. And he didn't warn them. And he didn't say, you know what, let's wait a couple hours. Because here's what I want you to understand. Sometimes the Lord is going to bring us into storms in life that aren't going to kill us, but they will grow us to prepare us for something greater. And that is actually very gracious because here's what storms can do for us. Storms can cause us to lose our sense. Anxiety can cause you to lose your sense. It can cause you to lose your ability to, to get through moments clearly. Like if I was just the disciples, you think they'd saw all these things and um, it would say then like immediately the storm came and Jesus got up or they woke him up. But there's this time of lag in between here in the text that they're enduring for a while. They're losing their sense. Does anyone remember the rides, merry-go-rounds? Merry-go-rounds are fun until... You find the big kids. And the big kids say, listen, little kids, here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to hang on to the edge of the merry-go-round. And then we're going to spin this sucker as fast as we can. And how many of you all know you were the kid and you were hanging off the edge, bouncing on the ground because you lost your sense? Or has anybody been on one of those merry-go-rounds from you know where and then like you get off and you can't walk because you've lost your sense? Here's what sense would say. Don't ever get on that merry-go-round or don't ever let anyone push it that hard or get off before it gets that bad. That's what sense says. But somehow in the midst of being spun, we lose our senses. In the same way, anxiety in our lives has a way of causing us to lose sense. Because here's what happens to so many of us. When we get into these anxious moments that we're trying to endure in our own lives, we go from little things to we're going to die. We're going to die. 
everyone's going to hate our house. Everyone's going to get food poisoning. Man, my ex is going to bring this up. My uncle's going to say this thing, and it's going to end the whole night. And, man, I can't deal with it. It's like my mom, when we would go and have the white glove check before anybody came over. I'd be like, please don't bring anyone over. Can't we just go to their house? And mom was like, it's a joy to host people for the holidays. And I was like, okay, I'm scared. All right. But here's what happens. Here, and I don't blame my mom for this because here's the deal. There is this pressure and anxiety put on her that shouldn't have been. We had four kids. We had a bunch of dogs. We had, like, our house was wild, right? Because why? We were wild. It's like my house now. My kids are wild, right? I found shoes in a sink in another room that was running the other day. I don't even know why the shoes were in there, and they were my kids' shoes. I was like, what is this? Or the other day, I found toys in the toilet downstairs. I think Jude was playing like dinosaur swim. I don't know, but I was like, oh, okay, this is great, because it was a little bit chaotic. But here's what begins to happen for so many of us. Anxiety will cause us to lose our sense. It's like we get on a merry-go-round in our mind. And because we're, we're in a moment that is absent of God in the future, the enemy can just spin it and spin it and spin it and spin it. And some of us in this room are so scared that the little things in life are going to cause us to die. And you know what never helps somebody when they're in a moment that they feel like they're going to die? That's just stupid. That, that thought is just stupid. Why would you ever think that? That's ridiculous. There's a person who will name unnamed in this room, but I did this wrong with them. They were talking to me. They moved into this new apartment, and, and this apartment is near a road, and there's a ditch and a forest, and then their apartment. And I was like, okay, this sounds nice, okay. And they lived on the second floor. And one day, this person was over at my house, and we were having dinner, and they're like, I don't know about this new place. I'm kind of freaked out. And I was like, why? You're on the second floor. They were like, what if a semi drives off the road, flies through the ditch, makes it through the forest, slams into the first floor, and then makes the whole building collapse, and I die? Do you know what I said? That is stupid. What do you mean? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I was wrong. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. What I should have said is, that would be wild (laughs) if that happened. I would sleep with a seatbelt on just in case. No, no. What you say is what? Hey, that is, that would be crazy. That would be wild. I could see how that would freak you out. But hey, what's the likelihood of that happening? What's the likelihood of a, of a semi-trailer tractor hydroplaning through a ditch in the woods and hitting the bottom floor of your building and the whole building collapsing and you dying? Like, do you think it's something that's possible, but not a future that we need to be living in? So you can sleep well tonight. Now, I thought about changing my ringtone on this person's phone to like the sound of a horn and a semi coming in, but that would be, that's mean, Lord, forgive me. Um, But here's the deal. Anxiety will tether you to the moment 
and you will be dying on the inside. And then we wonder why people who are anxious and around these holidays snap at everybody. Well, if everything is all about the worst that could happen in your life and anxiety is ruling you because you're living in a future where God isn't present, at least in your mind, you're an atheist in the future, I could understand why you'd be freaked out and snapped too. And so the thing that we need to do is not to tell everybody, hey, that's so silly. You don't have to agree with the reason someone feels the way that they do. You need to address the feeling, then you can address the reasoning. Let me say that again. So this could go in your marriage journal. You don't have to agree with the reason that somebody feels the way that they do, but you do need to address the feeling first. And once you address the feeling and speak truth into the feeling, now we can deal with the root cause. Now we can deal with those things. Because when you're in a spiral where you're going to die, when someone says your feelings are stupid and unfounded, you don't think that because you've lost sense. And so what happens to the disciples in this passage is, is they're in this storm, this seismic, cataclysmic moment in their life, and they are experiencing some anxiety. And that anxiety caused them to lose sense for a minute. It caused them to not realize who was in the boat with them. Matthew chapter 8, verse 25. They did the right thing. We see the disciples get out of this like anxiety spiral. They're on the merry-go-round and they're like, wait, Jesus is sleeping. Let's go wake him up. They do the right thing. They stop enduring in a future where God is not present and they wake up God. Now, I know that that's weird theology. God's always awake. I understand that, but let's go with the analogy for just a second. So what happens is, is Matthew chapter 8, verse 25, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to, like, we're going to drown. Other translations will say this. We're dying. We're drowning. And sometimes the question here is, hey, don't you get it? We're dying here. That's the emphasis in the text. Hey. Don't you get it? We're dying here. And I want you to notice what Jesus doesn't say. Don't talk to me like that. Jesus does something different in the text. But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus is in the boat. As you are facing storms in this life, the reality is, is that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's in the boat. And not only is he in the boat, He's at the destination. And some of us are living like functional atheists in our life. While we're in the middle of a seismic storm in our life, we forget that God's already there and that he's here. And we also forget, because here's what happens when we get in anxiety. How many of us love when we get stressed out to relive the past? He was there too. And we forget this moment that the Savior of the world was not absent from our mess, is not absent in our mess, and he is in our future mess. And we need to live as people of faith in these moments and believe that he's there. Some of us are fighting storms, acting like Jesus isn't right there. You're anxious about what if this happens, and what if that happens, and what if I die, or this happens, or all of these things. Instead of saying, God is here, 
God will be with me. God's presence is here right now. See, the presence of the Lord in the Bible, when people are in death situations, brings peace. The Lord is with us. The Lord is here. The Lord guides us. The Lord is is with me. And here's what happens for so many of us. Some of us need to realize that Jesus is in the boat. He is in the boat. But you won't sense the power of Jesus being in the boat in your life until you acknowledge his presence. How many of us in the middle of the storm, the anxiety that we're facing in this life right now, need to acknowledge Jesus present in the boat with you right now? I know that that's happening. I know what you're afraid of. I know the fear that you have. I know how you think about yourself. I know what you're going through. Why? Because I'm right here. And some of us need to take our mind off the storm and go to the one who can control it. The one who can give us freedom in it. Because presence has a way of killing, killing fear. Here's, I want to show you some pictures. This was Piper. We were at uh, Piper. You guys see Piper? She's the one with her eyes covered. This was Piper. She was, I don't know, like six, five years old. Christmas play. Let me give you some context. Piper was really nervous about this play and being in front of everybody and singing these Christmas songs. And so we're in this big room, kind of like lit up like this. It's darker in the audience. The stage is lit up. And we just, we told Piper like, hey, just find us. We'll know where you are because we can see you. But you're going to need to look for us. And when Piper got up, go ahead to the next one. This is a zoomed in picture. (laughs) And she kept doing that. Kept doing that. Kept doing that. And she's in the middle of anxiety. And she's in the middle of worry. But we said what? We're present. We're here. We're in the room. We're with you. You're not alone. We know exactly what you're feeling. And we're here with you right now. And we're sitting right over here. And Piper, just a few minutes after this picture was taken, moments, looked over. And she found Kelsey and I. And Tim and Marlene. And my mom and dad. And she waved at us. And we waved back, and she smiled, and she got to business. Why? Because we were in the boat with her. Our presence was there. And the moment that she acknowledged and saw and felt our presence is the moment that the anxiety, the worry, and the fear subsided. For some of us in this room, You're standing in the middle of your anxiety, your worry, your fear in all of these moments because you're looking out and you can't see anything. There's this uncertain future. Like, I can't really see your faces up here. You can see mine, but I really can't see you. And so you're looking out into this unknown. When Jesus says, well, I'm out there. Just find me. Just look to me. I'm already there. I'm already here. I'm already right next to you. And I know you don't know how the story ends, but I do. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. Because here's what Piper had to do in that moment. She had to have faith. Now I want you to hear these words from the book of Isaiah. 
talking to the nation of Israel as they are in a very anxious moment. I want you to hear what the Lord says to the nation. When they're facing an enemy that's bigger than them, they're in an anxious moment in an uncertain future. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Just close your eyes just for a second and hear these words from the Lord. Verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm Jacob. Little Israel, do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. You can open your eyes. Could you just imagine with me for just a second, the reason he calls Israel or Jacob, which is another name for Israel, a worm, and you're like, that's weird. No, it's to bring language like worms really can't do anything. They're really exposed. Like they, all they can do is hide. But what does the Lord say? Don't worry. I'm with you. I know you feel like you can't do anything. Don't worry, little Israel. Don't worry. I know you feel small next to these Babylonian giants. Don't worry. You'll look for enemies and you won't even be able to find them. I'm with you. I am the Lord who has you. And what happens is, is when you're in an anxious moment, you have to realize something. See, Piper had this fear and anxiety that were linked together. And so what did Piper have to do? She had to put up and look for our presence and believe that we were going to be there. Because here's the deal. Faith is an anxiety killer. 100%. I cannot tell you how to make your life less stressful all the time. But what I can tell you is when you have faith that God is there, that God is working, that God is present, that God is here, it can begin to kill anxiety. Why do you think in the Bible, through God's inspiration to the writers of the scriptures, decided to write all about faith before he got to this passage? And he says what? The cost of following me is going to cost a lot. And you're like, I don't know if I like that. And then he tells the story of the storm where he's in the boat with them. And look at what Jesus says in this moment. And Jesus replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. That word rebuked indicates that the storm may have had something present evil within it. This might have been a spiritual attack as much as a physical one. And so Jesus rebukes the storm and he calms the wind and the waves. That idea of being saved, that idea of being in a storm, whether it is physical or spiritual, it's the same. We need to call on the Lord for rescue. 
The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey them. I want you to understand something about this moment. This isn't a, a moment where Jesus is saying, like, come on, guys. What it means is this. Ye of little faith is what you probably hear from the King James a lot. You of little faith. It means this. You have faith. It's just not up to the task yet. It's just not there yet. It's not up to the task yet. Why, why are you afraid? And here's what you need to understand. Jesus was using the storm because he knew they were of little faith and he needed to build it. That's the reality. He's not saying, oh, you guys are awful. He says what? You have little faith. Your faith's just not quite there yet. Why are you afraid? Didn't you just hear me preach a sermon? Didn't you just see me heal lepers? Didn't you see me go ahead and heal a centurion's paralyzed servant from miles away? Didn't you see me heal Peter's mother-in-law just a few hours ago? Didn't you see me cast demons out of people and rescue them? And here's what this tells me. If we're a show-me people, we'll always need a new sign and we'll never have enough faith. We'll all need another sign, another miracle, another thing. And Jesus is saying, this is not about assuredness. This is about faith. Because it is impossible to please the Lord without it. And faith is something that you and I exercise in the midst of the storm, believing that the Lord is here and he is before us. See, faith is so important. Because for the leper, yes, he's healed physically, but now he's no longer isolated. He's no longer cast out and alone. The centurion... Jesus identifies the issue, but the centurion says, like, Jesus, can you heal my servant? Jesus says, yeah, where's your house? The centurion goes, man, I just want to tell you, you don't even need to come to my house because I understand your authority. And when you speak, things happen. So you don't even need to show up right now. You can just say it and he'll be healed. And Jesus says, man, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Go home. He's healed. Jesus walks into Peter's mother-in-law's house. And she's dying of a fever, and Jesus touches her and heals her. Could you imagine the brownie points that Peter has now? Next time his wife's like, can you please do the dishes? Peter's like, remember when I brought Jesus here, and he touched your mom and healed her? Like, could we just move on from this a little bit? Like, it's ultimate trump card for the rest of his life. But I want you to understand something. Like, he's showing in all of these things. That he heals those who are spiritually afflicted. He heals those physically. He heals those emotionally. He heals us. Here's the deal. Maybe the problem that you're so worried about are opportunities to grow your faith into something greater. Maybe it's an opportunity that our faith doesn't overcome the storm. It's our belief that Jesus can. I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to admit, man, we'll get over the storm. We'll get over the storm. We'll get over the storm. No. The faith is Jesus will get us through the storm. Jesus is going to carry me through the storm. Jesus has me through all of this. And so this storm, whether he rebukes it and makes it calm or gets me through it, he'll get me through it. And there will be a good work and a good thing on the other side of this. And so I don't know how, but I know that he will. 
don't grow weary in this moment because some of us are caught up in this anxiety in this world. We're caught up in these moments. And honestly, the most joyful season of the year is the worst season of the year because you're dying. You're on that merry-go-round from you know where and you don't know how to get off. Notice what the disciples did. They finally told Jesus, like, we're going to die. We're dying. Do you care? And Jesus is like, how can you believe I don't care? Your faith just isn't there yet. No problem. Stop. And they're amazed. And in this moment, they're amazed that his hand can stop wind and waves. And I'm amazed that he didn't rebuke them. He didn't belittle them. He didn't annoy them. He didn't make fun of them. In the middle of their storm, he met their need. Why? To grow their faith. Because let me just tell you, if we go a little bit further in this book, they're going to face a storm much bigger than the one they're in now. And they're going to face storms in this life that are much bigger than the one they're in now. And I want to encourage you with this today. Just hear me. God sees the storm that you're in. He knows exactly what you are going through. And let me just tell you. Have the faith that God is going to get you through. Not the faith that God's going to diminish it. Not that you need to avoid it. Not that you need to respond in anger. Not that you need to take control of it or do whatever is necessary, but that you are going to, with open hands, receive from the Lord and believe that he will save you. And so this year when Uncle Bill comes, welcome him. Welcome him. Why? I'm not avoiding this anymore. My anxiety has brought me to faith. My anxiety has reminded me. My worry has taken me to a place where I'm praying more and seeking more and reading more. And in the midst of my hell, I found heaven because I found Jesus. And so what the enemy meant to kill me, God meant to prosper me. But here's the deal. Are you looking in the boat? And some of us in this room are too busy looking at everyone else's boats. I'm going, well, I see God working there, and I see God working there, and I see him. He's in the boat with you. Focus on your boat. Bill's going to have to get over his stuff. Focus on your boat. And when the Lord has brought you healing, Get in the boat with your brothers and sisters in Christ and help them row. Because we should be the ones that get in the boat with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we look at them and we say, don't look at me, look at him. Don't look at me, look at him. He got me through. I'm in this boat with you now because he got me through my storm. And I'm here to tell you, look at him. Look to him. Because perfect love Cast out perfect fear. And perfect fear is always related to perfect anxiety. Because you're living as a functional atheist in your future. 
And that is a scary place if God isn't there, I know. But if he is there for the believer in Jesus Christ, the victory's already won. You know, I never get really anxious when I watch games on replay. You know, I'm not the guy that's like, can we DVR that? No one tell me the score. I always find out the score. And I don't even bother going back. Or if I do, I'm doing something else while I'm watching the game. Why? Because I already know the score. And now this game that was so important is nothing because I already know that the battle's been won. Christian, we know the score. The battle has already been won. And so there is nothing to fear any longer. There's no anxiety or worry that is going to end this life that Jesus can't get you through. He's in the boat and he's with you. And so what do we need to do in this moment? Anxiety, if I picture it in my mind, is like holding on to something way too tight. You're like white knuckling it. And you know the problem with white knuckling things is that, yep, nothing can take what's in here, but nothing can come in either. If you hold your hands like this forever, nothing can make its way in. So we're holding on to our fear in these things, and we're clinched up, and we're ready to fight, but we're fighting giants that we're not ready to deal with. And so what do we have to do? Okay, you fight the battle. You win the war. You win the victory. Can you just carry me to the end? No problem. I've already won. It's already done. It's been declared. And so I want to encourage you this. If you are going to win the battle of anxiety, let Jesus win it for you right now. Acknowledge. Acknowledge the thing that is before you, but you got to release it. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge the fear. Don't hide from it. Don't avoid it. Don't run away from it. There it is. It's ugly, it's nasty, it's terrible, it's big, and it's scary. Call it out. Say its name. I'm worried about dinner. I'm worried about my ex. I'm worried we don't have enough money. I'm worried my health is bad. I'm worried that this is going to be my last Christmas because, man, this cancer is just too strong. I'm worried. Call it out. Let it go. The moment you don't say its name, you give it more power. So say its name. Fear, anger, worry, money, all of the eyes call you out. I see you. And now that I know your name, you're not so scary anymore because I know the God who has your name in his back pocket and takes care of it. So come at me, hell or high water. Jesus is going to carry me through this. And if he doesn't carry me through it, he'll welcome me in heaven. So bring it. And this is why the psalmist can say, oh, death. Where is your sting? Because that's the best you got. The best you got is to take me to heaven. Bring it. Bring it to me then. I am not going to live in this anymore. I am not going to do these anything more. I am releasing it to the Lord. Because when you put it into perspective, now you can have peace. This does not end in death. I will always be his. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you will always be with him. Always. This will not end in death. Put it into perspective. Like every fear, there's a perspective on it. Like the person whose apartment was going to get pummeled by a semi. 
I just, we just got to put it into perspective. Has this ever happened? Has this gone on? And in fact, a couple years ago, I was going to Israel. And someone was like, oh, you can't, you can't go to Israel. It's so dangerous. And I was like, oh, it is? And they were like, yeah, don't you know? It's over on that part of the world that's pretty scary. It's in the news sometimes. Don't you know? And I said, don't you know that I'm flying through Chicago to get to Israel? And they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, this year, seven people have died from a gun in Israel. This year, 421 people have died in the south side of Chicago. I'm more afraid of my layover than my destination. It's about perspective. When I said that, they were like, oh, my. May the Lord bless you and guide you. Some of y'all need to be scared of Chicago, right? But here's the deal. So not only do you need to put it into perspective, when you put something into perspective, you can start telling it the truth. You start telling it who God is. You can start reminding your problem of God's promises. You can start reminding your worry of who God is and what he does. And you have story after story in a book bigger than you can read in a day of God's faithful promises coming true. You're like, I don't know if I believe that. Well, I just went to a land where I saw a bunch of it. Maybe that's why you need to come with me next time. But here's the deal. We tell it the truth and then we give it to God. Remember, your body will remind you when it's time to talk. As soon as you feel that worry, as soon as you feel that anxiety, as soon as that anger, that fear, that pit in your stomach rises up, you go, oh, there's the dinner bell. There's the prayer bell. It's time to pray. And now all of a sudden, your anxiety will become a dear friend because it just pushes you closer to your Lord, which brings you closer to your hope, which brings you closer to heaven. And so what happens then it's really simple. It's rinse and repeat. As long as the fear comes, the prayers come. As long as the fear comes, the truth comes. As long as the worries come, the release comes. And here, let me just tell you something. You will get much better at handing over the reins to your problems the more and more you do it. But some of us in here are prolonging our anxiety because we're white knuckling that thing and we can't get through it. Here's the deal. And I want to end with this. Cody's going to come and I'm going to pray. But I just, maybe there's just, maybe you just need to get out your phone right now. Maybe you need to text your spouse so you don't forget. Because like, here's the deal. How many people in here remember my outline from last week? Anybody? Here, I'll put someone on the spot. Cody, do you remember my outline from last week? Okay, me neither. Can I just be honest with you? I don't either. I give about a hundred of these a year. So here's the deal. Here's what I want you to understand. You're going to need to take something away from this to bring you back to this, to remind you of the truth. And so I just, maybe you need to get it tattooed on you. I don't know. I just want you to remember one phrase. He's in the boat. He's in the boat. And maybe like right before your family arrives at that Thanksgiving dinner and you're about to open the door for the first time, you need to look at each other and go, he's in the boat. He's in the boat. 
Maybe right before you get that phone call, right before you get that prognosis, right before you get to the doctor and you're going to get that scan read, you just say, he's in the boat. And let's start rowing together and pointing people towards Christ because he really is the hope of the world.